This episode of Sauce Mama is brought to you by Dairy Farmers A2 Goodness Plus Prebiotic Milk. We've heard a lot about the importance of good gut bugs, but what these tiny organisms eat to survive is just as vital. They feed on prebiotics. And a super easy way to get prebiotics into your kid's diet is through the milk they drink. Containing only the A2 protein plus added prebiotics, Dairy Farmers A2 Goodness Plus Prebiotics is goodness from free-roaming, pasture-raised cows. Dairy Farmers, here's to good. We invite you to join the most exclusive, inclusive club for special needs mamas, Source Mama. Unapologetically candid, uncut and heartbreakingly real, whilst uniting, elevating and fiercely empowering. Join the greatest pride of lionesses ever to have walked the earth at saucemama.com.au or Instagram or Facebook, follow at saucemama. Hello, I'm Rachel Williams and today I'm talking with Julie Jones. Julie is the creator of the website Have Will Chair Will Travel and founder of the magazine Travel Without Limits where she combines her experience working in the travel industry with her life travelling with her family, including her son, Brayden, who lives with cerebral palsy, as well as her teenage daughter, Amelia. Julie also works as a freelance writer and is passionate about seeing more travel opportunities for people travelling with a disability or additional needs. Welcome, Julie. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Well, it's lovely to have you and it's what a funny year to be talking about travel. Obviously, so many places have been locked down and we can't get out the borders internationally. What a what a weird year it's been. It has been a weird year, but I think it's actually given everyone a thirst for travel more than ever before. And I think probably what we experienced as a family when my son was first diagnosed with disability, which was, oh gosh, we're not going to be able to travel and do things, is kind of what people have experienced during COVID, that feeling of where we can't travel and how are we ever going to travel again. And that was what we felt when Braden was first diagnosed and we knew a wheelchair would be part of our I guess, travel baggage as such. Tell us about when that was. How old's Brayden now? So Brayden's 25 and he was diagnosed with um, cerebral palsy at five months of age. And in the beginning, honestly, I was just so consumed with, you know, getting him to his best potential and making sure he sort of met as many milestones as he could, although they were quite delayed. So we were just a therapy family. We were just consumed by therapy. And there was some point, I think, where I I maybe cracked a little and just felt like I couldn't just be, that couldn't just be all of our life. We had to be able to do other things as well. And that was when we really started looking at, you know, travel again. Can you remember your first trip with Brayden and... Obviously, when you travel with a, a baby, it's always complicated and that you can never find the right facilities and, the ch- you know, the change tables or whatever. But I'm assuming Braden and, and other children like him, there's those extra complexities. Can you remember that first trip away? I think the first ones were okay because he didn't sort of really have that many extra needs. But probably one that really stands out was when he was seven and we went to New Zealand for our first sort of, we'd done a cruise with him when he was little, but going to New Zealand was one of our first overseas holidays. And we couldn't travel with a 
potty like a toilet chair that he used at home because that would be ridiculous so we just assumed when we got to New Zealand that it would be so similar to Australia that we'd be able to find one and he just needed like a certain shape and and seating and everything and I just remember first arriving there and that was the first thing we had to go and get and just going from shop to shop and being totally distressed that I couldn't get anything at all that would suit his needs and um it just seemed ridiculous, but that was the, I guess, the new life of travel that we were going to experience in the future. Never assume that you will find what you need at your destination. Make sure you take along what you need or at least research it ahead of time. Is that Was that the catalyst for why you decided to start your website? Not really. It was when um, in 2011 we won a trip to Disneyland and that was the first trip we'd done as a family of four sort of longer haul trip to America and I sort of researched it so much because I'd learned from previous experiences and it was just the most liberating feeling to do it and to see the joy to see the kids really bonding over somewhere like Disneyland all those shared experiences and um when we came back, it seemed to waste just telling family and friends. It seemed like there must be a wider audience out there because when I was looking for information, I couldn't find very much. And so we just started something about that particular trip and there was just such a thirst for it and people really wanted to know more. So it just expanded from there and we really have built a community with Have Wheelchair World Travel. We've sort of got a very lovely um, group of people that if somebody has a question I can pop it up on there and people respond and it's a really lovely feeling people have really taken our kids into their hearts as well and Brayden loves nothing more than to be in the city and somebody pop you know around the corner and say hi how are you I know you from the website he just thinks it's fantastic he's he, famous he doesn't <laughs> mind a bit of celebrity status <laughs> fair enough I'd say milk it for all it's worth um he you... <laughs> good on you Brayden um, you worked in the travel industry. What was your role within that? So I worked as a travel consultant in the travel industry and we did a lot of specialised tours, um, but there were things like garden tours or uh, we did the Australian World Surfing Circuit. We did religious tours. It was a really eclectic mix of travel. But, you know, I often say to people, you can't judge a travel consultant for not necessarily knowing much because I'd never been into an accessible room before we had Braden. Um, and I think there is a lot more awareness now in the travel industry. But at that time, certainly, I had no clue. And so I always figure if I can, you know, be kind to somebody who doesn't know, as long as they're prepared to go and find the information, that's okay. Um, but we educate as we travel. We just really let people know what's needed. And once they know, often I find that they're really um, engaged and want to know how they can help more. And when they see what it means to our family, they're really keen to go that extra mile. And so what do people need to do? What, what, what are the extra things that people need to take into account for people with wheelchairs? Well, I think, I mean, I think for starters, we have to remember across the disability sector as a general rule that there is no one size fits all approach. So what our family needs compared to say um, a husband and wife where the husband's in the wheelchair and is taking their children on a holiday is quite different 
Braden likes a bath instead of a shower, which is quite unusual for somebody who uses a wheelchair. And, um, you know, what I've learnt, I guess, from being at the Source Kids Disability Expos and talking to so many families is everyone has just such unique needs that um, the travel industry just needs to almost ask, what can we do? What can we provide to help you have a good holiday at our destination? So. I think just an openness and an understanding that just because you've had one client or guest who has a disability doesn't mean you know what the next guest needs. So over a quarter of a century, I'm assuming things have changed drastically with what support and what modifications have been made and and accessibility options there are now. Oh, yes. I mean, change is never quick enough for those that need it. But, you know, for example, we had got to the stage where we'd stopped doing beach holidays with Brayden because my husband was dragging him across the sand in a manual wheelchair. He could no longer lift him down to the water's edge. Whereas now we've got beach wheelchairs, which is fantastic. We'd stopped doing bushwalks because it was too hard with a wheelchair. Once Brayden was out of a hiking pack, we couldn't do that. But now there's trail riders. So there's definitely been an awareness, um, equipment become more mainstream, which is fantastic, changing places, facilities. We don't need those facilities, but for families that actually do need an adult size change table, a hoist even, like, you know, an adult that needs to go out for the day in a wheelchair that needs a hoist to be able to transfer to the toilet, changing places has become more commonplace. So those sorts of things, I think, you know, have really made it much easier for people to travel. But again, we need more. (laughs) And is that why you set up you've got the website, you've also got a magazine component now as well. Is that to try and help people who want to travel and actually work out where the best areas are to go to? Yeah, it is. I mean, I think we need representation in the media. At the moment, I think there's a distinct lack of it in Australia, probably around the world, to be honest. And therefore, if people don't know, they can't do better. So if we provide them with the information, it educates the general public. They see people with a disability traveling and being quite empowered. Like the imagery is quite convincing that people may have a disability, but they still want to, you know, go rafting or, you know, whatever it is. So I think that we need to educate people with that. But also, obviously, I want don't want parents who are new parents or somebody with a new disability to feel isolated like I did when Braden was little. I couldn't see anything when I opened up a magazine that I could relate to. Everyone, you know, had a child that was walking along with them on a hike and that just wasn't our reality. And that makes you feel very alone as a parent because you don't feel like the world is welcoming to your child. And for me, that was one of the worst things. I always knew that we would love Brayden and we would support him But I wanted to know that the rest of the world was going to engage with him and welcome him into society. And so I think seeing, you know, images on television, in magazines, that all, you know, helps society realise that we are all part of the world and we should be all, you know, welcoming to everyone. And the other thing it offers is businesses who are providing fantastic facilities. It gives them somewhere to showcase them to an audience and make sure that they're used because if they're not used then business thinks well we don't you know why would we keep investing in that 
Yeah. yeah. And so obviously now that, like, obviously within Australia, borders are open as, as we're recording this, um, where are the best places people should or look to go for accessibility? Are there some, you know, top five places or anything like that that you always recommend? Well, I always say to people, we don't choose the destination. We look at what's available at a destination and then decide how many things we can engage in as a family to do. So as an example, um, somewhere like Cairns, we can do quite a lot as a family in Cairns. There's lovely like waterfront walks. We can do boat trips that are actually accessible. We've done a helicopter trip. We've um, been on the sky rail to Karanda. So that meant that it sort of if we were going there for a week or two weeks, we knew that we could have some downtime. There's beach wheelchair at Palm Cove, but we could also all be engaged in activities as a family. And I think that's really important because if you go away and you come back having had a great experience and there was lots you could do, even if there are a few things that you couldn't manage, the overall impression is that it was a fantastic holiday. But if you go to a destination just assuming that you'll be able to do everything and come across obstacle after obstacle, that affects how you feel even about a disability. I think it sort of makes you feel, you know, quite constrained and I think we all want to come back from a holiday and feel, you know, that sense of liberation that we did it and we could do this and that. So, you know, we've been to Tasmania, Braden's been cable hang gliding there. Um, we've been to Uluru where the base walk is accessible and a lot of the tours are supported with wheelchair accessible um, tour buses, which isn't actually that common in Australia places like the Blue Mountains, you know, there's quite a lot of really good accessible options in on our own doorstep, which is fantastic, considering the borders are closed to overseas travel as we record this. Yeah, what's your uh, to-do place to go once the borders do reopen internationally? Have you been planning that while you've been um, hibernating somewhat over the last few months? Look, I've really been enjoying exploring more of Australia. My daughter certainly has a very firm sort of set mind on going back to Fiji. And um, as I often say to people, Fiji was the probably one of the least accessible places we've been to <laughs> physically. She does not go by herself. <laughs> No, no, the attitude was so inclusive. Brayden actually did so many experiences there that he's never done before. So the Fijian people just were like, yep, we'll make it work. And, wow. um, you know, that sort of makes a really big difference to a holiday. If you go somewhere and, you know, you can only do somewhere where there's a ramp or whatever, it does limit what you can do. Whereas Brayden was strapped on the back of a quad bike uh, and that was the first time he was actually able to quad bike along with Amelia and my husband. So, you know, they're really unique experiences that, you know, leave us with the biggest grin on our face when we leave because something that you're not necessarily expecting to do. But, you know, going back to what I said earlier, we researched it before we decided we didn't book our flights to Fiji. We just contacted all these different tour operators and said to them, got a son who's a wheelchair user. And we could tell straight away from the responses in their emails that they were going to make it work for us. And so we would then booked Fiji and hoped that it would work and it did. So that sounds like an amazing can-do attitude. Do you still find though, unfortunately, that some places just aren't agreeable to doing things like that? 
yeah, and they just don't get it. They don't understand what it means and they're just not willing to try. And that certainly is very frustrating. But somebody's no, depends how they say no. If they're no just because they're unsure, then I'll talk them around. If they're no and sort of discriminatory, then they don't get my tourist dollars. Yeah, fair enough. Is that, I'm hoping that that's not a common theme, that there's a lot of no. that around. No, we haven't found that at all. Um, no, I can't even think. People often ask me what's our worst experience <laughs> and I can't honestly, you know, we haven't really, I'll touch wood, we haven't had a whole lot of bad experiences, but I do think that comes down to what probably my best tip is for anyone is research, ask lots of questions, email places, tell them what you need. Don't assume that they know because, as I said before, there's no one size fits all. Even if they have had somebody before, doesn't mean they understand what you need. And it sounds like that you and your family are the adventure seeker type travellers. Is that right? We do like an adventure. <laughs> we do. We were just recently up at um, Port Stephens in New South Wales and we found a place that would uh, allow us to do the sand dunes there on quad bikes. And so we managed to strap Braden on again to the quad bikes. And my husband and Braden decided that they'd do what was called the big hill. And my daughter and I went the sort of safer route. And then we were watching them at the top of the hill. And I was just looking at how high it was. And they were coming down this on the quad bikes. And this nervous mother came over me thinking, why did I say yes? Why did I say yes? And then by the time they got to the bottom and I'd taken all the photos and they had such big smiles on their faces, I was thinking, oh, of course I'd say yes. <laughs> but I'm assuming that as all of these adventurous um, travels that are accessible, there's some just basic things that people need to research as well, not just all the, the fun and frivolity, but just the basics. Yeah, I think so. I mean, definitely a hotel room can make or break it. If somebody, you know, for example, needs to use a hoist, it's really important that they know that the bed in the room actually has clearance under the bed because if they get there and they've got to start asking for phone books or things to jack up the bed, it's not a good start to a, a holiday. And some bathrooms just aren't really suitable. They may be an open plan bathroom, but for somebody with a bigger power chair, it may not be enough room for them to transfer. So I think really asking those questions about what's included in the accommodation is really important and making sure you're very specific about things like, is it a step free, you know, um, way to get to the accommodation, the room, because if there's a lift, but it doesn't, you know, there's a few stairs that doesn't make it easy to get to or possible to get to the accommodation. So I think it's, I always say to people in an era of everyone having mobile phones, ask for photos. If they sound like they don't know the property well, ask for photos and don't go for, everyone tends to book things online and you just don't have any way of checking things. If you do that, you're much better off to ring the hotel direct and speak to somebody who actually has been in those rooms, knows the property well. Um, and a lot of places will actually match the online prices anyway. Yeah. I, I found something really interesting yesterday when I was just looking for a, an accommodation Airbnb for our family, just for a, a trip. Um, we don't have any um, special needs, but one of the places came up and it had measurements and it would, it would say like oh, this yeah. is the height of the... Um, table this is the width between the kitchen bench and the chair like that to me is obviously they've done that because they want to show that they're accessible 
Yes. I'm assuming. So when I do reviews, I provide uh, the heights of things and people need things like they might need the height of the toilet to see if a commode chair will fit over the top of the toilet. So that's really important. But Airbnb have had a big push. One of my friends actually was working in San Francisco on their accessibility and they've had a big push to get more and more of their uh, host families, the, the hosts of the properties, to provide accessible information. And it's really nice. I haven't come across too many in our travels, but then we probably are looking for different things. But it is good to see photos of the entranceways and things like that. And it expands who may stay in their properties. So it makes business sense. And that's what I always say to people. One in five Australians lives with a disability. It's not a niche market. It's a, a market that businesses should actually be catering to because I like to think it makes just, you know, sense to be an inclusive society. But if you want to come down to dollars and cents, then it actually, you know, is an economic reward for them if they open their business up to a larger sector of the community. Yeah, so some, some great advice there. And, and obviously we'll direct people to your to your website and your magazine. But just finally, what would you actually say to families who might have a, a child or children in a wheelchair and they're, really nervous about visiting new places what would your advice be i think my advice would really be to start local because if something goes wrong you can always go home easily and get the equipment that you really did need a staycation in your local city can be good as a starting point we certainly didn't start with overseas trips we started you know with trips about four hours from home um, where we knew that we could pack the car with every tiny thing that we might need. I think that's really important. And I also think that there's two things I'd really like to say. One is holidays are a reminder that you are a parent, not just a carer, a therapist, an admin person for your child. And I think that is something that we all really need is to reconnect as a family because there is such a long list of daily admin to do when you are caring for somebody with a disability. Uh, so I think that's a really important thing. And I think that it bonds children as siblings with their sibling with a disability to go away and to share those fun times when parents are much more relaxed. So I do think that although there's often a mindset of, oh, this is more effort than it is to stay at home, I think the rewards are very high. And I think that's what fed us with continuing to try and do more things. Um, and I also think, you know, again, research is, is really key. And once you get to your destination, you don't have to be a cruise director. Don't think that every single minute of the day you have to be doing something fantastic. I think it needs to be about spending time together and pacing your days. So one day we might do something that requires high energy from us. So it might be a walk where there's a lot of pushing of the wheelchair, but then we might do something a lot less um, energetic the next day because it does take a toll. You're still doing all the caring roles that you do at home, whether that's bathing, feeding, um, medication, all those different things. And you're on holidays trying to fill the days so everyone has an exciting day. So I think you have to be kind to yourself as a parent and carer. It's really, really important because it's not a sprint, it's a marathon. You need to make sure you maintain your own health and well-being and do get a bit of a rest as much as you can on a holiday. And I suppose be realistic too, there's plenty of typical families that have holiday disasters anyway. So if it's a bad day, the sun's <laughs> going to come up the next day. Exactly, exactly. 
Wonderful. Look, thank you so much, Julie. Just give a, a quick plug to your website. How can people find out some more details? Sure, they can find website is www.havewheelchairwheeltravel.net and you can find travelwithoutlimits.com.au and the magazine subscriptions are on the website. Wonderful. And you're no doubt looking forward to getting your frequent flying points up as soon as you can, Julie. Where are you heading off to? (laughs) I don't know next. We're sort of just having a South Coast holiday in Australia. We had thought this year I was planning to go to America in May and then we had South Africa on the horizon for uh, once my daughter finished her HSC. She's just finished her last year of school. But uh, COVID sort of delayed those things. Wait and see. Maybe next year. Yes. Lovely. Thank you so much for your time, Julie. That was Julie Jones. I'm Rachel Williams. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Source Mama. If you've enjoyed this chat and want to hear more stories, please check out our other episodes with some more coming soon. There's also plenty more inspo over at sourcemama.com.au and of course follow us on Insta and Facebook and there's even a private Facebook group just for members. It's just us and your supportive community. We invite you to join the most exclusive, inclusive club of special needs mamas. Thanks for listening. This episode of Source Mama is brought to you by Dairy Farmers A2 Goodness plus prebiotic milk. We've heard a lot about the importance of good gut bugs, but what these tiny organisms eat to survive is just as vital. They feed on prebiotics. And a super easy way to get prebiotics into your kid's diet is through the milk they drink. Containing only the A2 protein plus added prebiotics, Dairy Farmers A2 Goodness Plus Prebiotics is goodness from free-roaming, pasture-raised cows. Dairy Farmers, here's to good.